the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. John Mark started out poorly and ended well. This underscores the importance of us resisting the urge to make final judgments on people. Because every one of us, if we're still breathing, is still a work in progress. Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno is wrapping up a message today in the book of Colossians. This actually ends a lengthy series that we began a number of months ago. And you can go to the website highlands.us to find all of those messages. That's highlands.us. Thank you for joining us on this Monday. Turn to the book of Colossians, the fourth chapter, the final chapter in that book, to follow along. Here's Pastor Layton. John Mark is, a, is an encouragement to every one of us who has failed to serve God at some point. He didn't just stay down. He got up, got back into ministry, and proved to be faithful to the Lord. We all can make mistakes. Don't give up. Don't give up. Verse 11, And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only men of the circumcision that is Jewish among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Uh, Jesus is the Greek word or form of the name Joshua. Justice is a Latin name. Oftentimes people of that era had more than one name. But we don't know anything more about him than his name. It is only, I think, mentioned, uh, mentioned here. But we don't know anything more about him. And, but it does reference here the kingdom of God. And when that's used in Scripture, it's, a, it's used in a comprehensive sense of the establishment of God's will here on earth. You remember when Jesus was asked by his disciples, teach us how to pray. And uh, what he said is, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's kingdom is where God, God's will is being done. We are called to be an eternal part of that eternal kingdom. We are called to do God's will. And then verse 12 says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Now we were introduced to him at the beginning of our study. He was probably the founder of the church in Colossae and possibly also in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Evidently he was, became concerned about this false teachers and false teaching and he went to Paul in Rome, and it was Paul in Rome that wrote this letter that uh, we read today. But one of the secrets uh, to the life of Epaphras that is revealed here is that he interceded uh, for his congregation in his prayers. In fact, he interceded so much that the Apostle Paul uses an athletic term here from which we get the word agony. He, he agonized in his prayers. He struggled in his prayers on behalf of his fellow believers. Prayers count. And it's important that we pray for others. And sometimes that requires us to struggle and agonize in prayer on their behalf. 
Verse 14, Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Luke, very important person in the early church. He was a Gentile. We learn that from this part. And, uh, but uh, he's the author of the gospel that bears his name, the gospel of Luke. He's also the uh, author of the book of Acts, which was the history of the early church. He is probably the only Gentile writer of any book in the entire Bible. He was also a physician. That's something else that we learned from this particular passage. And I'd like to point something out to you. Isn't it ironic that the Apostle Paul, who had the gift of healing, traveled with a doctor, with a physician? Now, I say that to say this, because there are some church leaders today who disparage selected spiritual gifts like the gift of healing. And one of the evidences they use to help them in their arguments to disparage this gift is the fact that people who have that gift or uh, are are said to have that gift don't heal people 100% of the time. And when you think about it, did Jesus have the gift of healing? He had the ultimate gift of healing. He could even heal people from the dead. And yet he didn't heal people 100% of the time. We're told that the pool of Bethesda was surrounded by sick people in John chapter 5, but according to what we know, he only went and healed one of them. The Apostle Paul, who had the gift of healing, we know that from elsewhere in the scriptural record, traveled with a doctor. Luke spent a lot of time with Paul, accompanied him on the third missionary journey, was with him through all his imprisonments, including his final imprisonment. Luke is an example of a professional man who uses his skills and abilities in the service of the Lord. And he was a beloved Christian, a skillful physician, a devoted friend, and a careful historian all wrapped up in one. He's mentioned in this verse, and so is Demas. And Demas is only mentioned three times in the New Testament, and the story tells a sad story. He's mentioned in the book of Philemon where he is called a fellow laborer. And then years later, perhaps uh, five or six years later, give or take, there's another reference to Demas in 2 Timothy as Paul is uh, writing. And he says, Demas has forsaken us, having loved this present world. Demas went from a leader in the church working alongside none other than the apostle Paul the one who turned his back on the Lord because he loved the world. You say, how can that happen? He was working with the apostle, Paul himself. How could that happen? Judas was working with Jesus. How can that happen? People can become so warped so easily. Demas started out well and ended poorly. John Mark started out poorly and ended well. This underscores the importance of us resisting the urge to make final judgments on people. Because every one of us, if we're still breathing, is still a work in progress. I can remember when I was a kid learning the phrase, Please be patient with me. God is not finished with me yet. If you're breathing, God ain't finished with you. You're still a work in progress. We have a tendency to 
pass judgments on people that fast. My dad told me a story one time. He got home late at night, turned on the television, late night television. He'd been out for a long day, and this new personality was on television. Within 10 or 15 minutes, he called out to mom and said, this guy is never going to make it on television. You know who he was talking about? Johnny Carson. Yeah. Johnny Carson. We need to resist the urge to pass these final judgments on, on people. There's another lesson that we can learn from Demas as well, and that is Christians today can succumb to the attractions of the world just as easily as Demas did. He thought he could serve two masters. Eventually he had to choose one. He chose the wrong one. We can't serve two masters. Verse 15. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. It gives us some interesting insights into the church of the first century. They had fellowship with one another. They were in communication with each other. And they met in private homes. In fact, we don't believe that there was any church building per se until centuries later when Christianity finally became legalized in the Roman Empire under Constantine. Verse 16, and when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And so there's this letter that is called here the letter from Laodicea and many scholars believe it's we know it as the letter to the Ephesians. But we don't know that for certain. It's possible that that letter was lost. Um, there is a reference in 1 Corinthians to a preceding letter that we don't have. Because if we had it, then 1 Corinthians would be 2 Corinthians. But it's called 1 Corinthians because we don't have that preceding le- that letter that's referenced in 1 Corinthians. Some people might conclude, well, then... We're missing part of God's Word. I'd like to propose a different paradigm, a different perspective. I think that the letter in 1 Corinthians that was, that was written before was a letter to the Corinthians, not to us. But the letter that we have that we call 1 Corinthians was written to the Corinthians and to us by the Holy Spirit. That's why God preserved it for us. God has preserved for us in His Word all we need that God has provided. Verse 17, And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. We don't know who Archippus is. It's possible he might have been the son of Philemon. But what Paul here is saying is, you've been given a ministry, don't waste it. Do what you're supposed to do. Do you know that every believer has been given at least one spiritual gift? And that spiritual gift is to be used for building up the church And when people aren't doing what they've been called to do, the church isn't getting built the way it should be built. Every one of us should be, as as a believer, every one of us as believers should be active in the ministry that God has called us to and equipped us for. See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. And then Paul says, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. And so uh, Paul would um, dictate his letters and then sign it with his own signature, and that assured his recipients that it really was him who was sending that message because evidently there were some letters going about that claimed to be from the Apostle Paul and were in fact not. 
And then he says, remember my chains. Don't forget that I am in jail. Why was he in jail? Because he refused to be silent or compromise in the gospel or sharing the gospel. And by him saying that, he was basically challenging them to do the same. Don't be silent and don't compromise the gospel. Grace be with you. He opened his letter saying grace. He closed his letter saying grace. The letter to the Colossians. What a tremendous study by Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. If you've just joined us, we have been in the book of Colossians for a number of weeks, and the entire series can be found on our website at highlands.us. You can download that for free. That's highlands.us. Please let us know that you're listening. You can share that fact with us when you click on the contact button on highlands.us. I'm Mike Trout. This is an outreach of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. We're a nonprofit ministry, and you can join with us financially. When you go to the website, just click on the Donate Now button. That's highlands.us. Have a blessed weekend, and come back on Monday when we'll start a new series and study verse by verse.